weather, if you're not used to it by now, I don't know who is and who isn't, but um, <clears throat> it was in the mid-80s a few days ago, and this morning at our house it was 31, and I had a little layer of ice over some water containers and a heavy frost, and so uh, in fact I got a bottle of water that I keep, I've got a little case of little small waters in my truck, and it was like refrigerated. It was just very, very nice and still a little cool. Uh, we're going to be talking about something today that I think will be hopefully encouraging. That's the intent, uh, so that we would be encouraged. And um, it's on giving thanks, rejoicing, being grateful, all those things. There's not any real specific title other than that's the idea. The whole topic is just uh, being grateful, having a grateful attitude, a thankful attitude. Uh, so just kind of, I mean, my sense of humor, I don't know if you'll see any funny, uh, anything funny about it, but we were, Lynn and I were driving in this morning, and, um, and so we were talking about current events a little bit. And um, so as we were going down the freeway <laughs> covering current events and we got into the, how can people think the way they do? I mean, is, is our nation so far gone that, you know, the, the, the mentality is just so, you know, so we were going on and we started listening to all the different things and stuff. And, and all of a sudden I just said, stop. We've got, we've got to stop this because I'm preaching on rejoicing, and if, and if we don't stop this now, I'm going to have to change my, my topic. We're going to have to get a different sermon because it's so, listen, it is so easy, and, and I'm just admitting with, with all of us, it is very easy for us to get in a mindset of being so negative about things going on around us. And so I think it's a good reminder, uh, even though, you know, we're thinking about Thanksgiving coming up here in a couple of weeks, it's a good reminder that we need to be looking into the Scripture that I think pulls us back out of that, that, that line of thinking, and because we all struggle with it. I mean, there's not any of us that are exempt I think we all struggle, but we do as believers have the word of God that gives instructions about how we're to be thinking and, and our behavior, our attitude. So I wanted to look at that. So if you would, if you have your Bibles, and I, like I said, I've got several passages. It's not an exhaustive list by any means. It's just a, a partial list. But look at Psalm 100. I thought that'd be a good place to start. Psalm 100. Psalm 100. <clears throat> Verses 4 and 5. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. So as we come into worship in the worship center, into the auditorium, into church, whatever you think about, you could apply this, enter into his gates with thanksgiving, 
and to his, into his courts with praise. Be thankful. Listen, I, I had this thought before we go any further. I've been greeted in the foyer with negative, not today, but I'm just saying in the past, you know, you walk in and somebody hits you with uh, something very negative. And, uh, and that's really contrary. We ought to be focusing on the good things. I had a, a conversation with a person that was a former member long time ago, and uh, we had some time to kind of visit a little bit. And I remind, we're laughing about, you know, the past and laughing about our time together. And I think it was several, like 15 years or so, laughing about all that. And I said, and yeah, do you remember when I lived over here for 19 years? I mean, I lived on this street 19 years, had two drive-by shootings, by the way, and every house around us had been burglarized. And uh, except ours. And so, but I would walk from the parsonage up the, you know, half a block, walk up, and this person would be standing there on the sidewalk with a complaint. You know, and I would say, I said, do you remember those days? You'd greet me with a complaint. He said, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember, I remember. You know, so, I mean, but I, when we think about entering his courts, we ought to be coming here with thankful hearts, with praise on our lips for all that we have in Christ. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. Isn't that amazing? That's kind of a catchphrase today, isn't it? God is good. God is good. But that's a fact. God is good, and He's good all the time. His character has never changed. Now, for the Lord is good, His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endureth to all generations. Let's pray. Father, we thank You so much for the Word of God, for the encouragement that we need today. All of us need a word from You. We need to hear, hear Your voice. We need to have you lift up our spirits. We need, Father, to be reminded of truth and, uh, and, and allow you by the Holy Spirit and your word to really kind of jerk us back and get us out of the mindset of negative uh, thinking and discussions and, and talking about all the bad things. But we need to be focusing on the good and the wonderful things, the truths that are ours because we've been blood-bought by the precious shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for salvation. We thank you for uh, just the fact that we belong to you, and we're very grateful to you, Father, for what you're doing in our lives. And we just praise you and, and commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me begin with just one paragraph. This is falling apart, by the way. I use this quite a bit. But this is my, and y'all know I really enjoy Dr. Blackaby. There's so many others that, that I read and enjoy, but Dr. Blackaby, he just, he just seems to have captured my uh, attention here for the last 15 years or so. But this, this just this first paragraph I thought would be uh, encouraging, beneficial. Thankfulness is foundational 
to the Christian life. Thankfulness is foundational to the Christian life. Thankfulness is a conscious response that comes from looking beyond our blessings to their source. As Christians, we have been forgiven, saved from death, and adopted as God's children. There could be no better reason for a grateful heart. I think, I think things like that, you know, and, and I don't want to be, but I think about people that are going through life and they don't have faith in Christ. They don't have, they don't have a Savior. They, you know, they, they look like us and, they, and they, they, they've got jobs and they do things. They have fun. They're at uh, events. And but so many are without Christ. And every time I hear some tragedy, every time I hear something like at the air show in Dallas, did y'all hear that two of the uh, old, uh, I think World War II or something planes collided in midair and six people perished? I mean, in a in a ball of fire, I mean, six people lives gone. And and here's the thing. This is what we can't, and words, there's no human words to describe it. But you say, oh, how tragic they, they crashed. It was a ball of fire. Listen, that ball of fire is nothing to eternity and all of hell. Nothing. If they were without Christ, it just got worse from there. And so it's important that we really, really appreciate what's going on uh, in our relationship with Christ. So we should enter his gates with thanksgiving. So let me just remind you, these are this very, very basic, I understand, but just the fact that as believers, we have three enemies, okay? We've, we've covered this. We know not to go into great detail, but we have Three enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And so we need to be reminded. And again, this is just a little capsule, just a little, little thought of, about the world. But what it, why is the enemy a world? Well, the world says, come along with me. Join in my lifestyle. Think like me. And, that, and you know that's why standing alone is so essential for believers. That you understand how important it is to stand alone. Though all uh, everybody else is saying one thing, or they're saying, you know, it's okay to kill babies in the womb. I mean, you know, you've got to be able to stand alone. And so the world says, come along, be with me, think like me, talk like me, even the, even the language that people use, act like me, dress like me. And then I'm going to be very careful, but I have some very strong opinions about this next statement. But the world says, follow me in destroying your body. Follow me. Look like me. It's just such a herd mentality that you just can't fathom that people are doing to themselves in some weird way and their bodies are being messed up forever. Then you have the devil. The devil is a liar. He's a deceiver. He produces counterfeits. 
Uh, he will use anything. I promise you anything. Mark it down. He will use anything to accomplish his goal. And how many times have we said this? How many times do we need to be reminded? We need, it's like, oh, oh, wow, that's, that's, what, that's what he's doing. That, well, I'll be, you know, the pastor's been talking about that for about 25, 30 years. And I think I see it. He's out to divide and conquer people. And he will use our righteous indignation against whatever it is. He will use whatever. And we, can, we will just be like a bulldog grip on something. And, and, and that's, I'm, so, I'm so amazed that we can't see it. That it's why denominations, why even in the denomination, there are splits and splits and more splits out of those. It's incredible. Families destroyed over inheritances and things like that. And relationships just destroyed. I mean, it's like, why can't we... This is... We ought to be mature enough to see... What's going on? And he's out. He's a liar, deceiver, and he divides and conquers any way he can. He doesn't play fair. And so our nation, would you say that our nation is a united nation? I don't think so. That's just my personal opinion. I don't think America is united. And you know, isn't it sad it takes an attack or the Twin Towers to go down and thousands of people die, to have just a moment of unity, just a moment of, you know. I mean, it, it, it's, it's incredible. Our nation is so divided. The way so many think versus how so many others think. Churches get divided. <clears throat> Families suffer from division. Then you've got the flesh, the old man, the old nature. That constant inward, when we battle this, all of us battle this, the constant inward desire to sin and go against the law of God, against the word of God, and we break God's laws and ultimately we're breaking God's heart. And our problem, the problem is we're all human. We, we just, we have a human nature, a sin, sin nature. We're bent. We are bent on having things our way, doing things our way. We have human emotions. We have human thoughts. We have real hurts. Doesn't mean that, you know, because you're a Christian and you've been blood bought, that you're not going to have any real pain and real hurts. Yeah, we have real hurts. People say things and it hurts. Things happen and it hurts. And uh, it's real. And, and we have real physical pain. We, get, we can and do. This is because of our flesh. We do get discouraged. It's part of, I mean, we do. That's part of our makeup. We struggle with selfish, pride, peer pressure. And then comes another factor, 
Some of you aren't even close to that, but some of us are marching faster than we'd like to admit the aging process. The aging process brings along a whole set of scenarios that you just never really dreamed of. You know, I, okay, so I, I get up here, I walk, I'm now holding onto the rail. I walk across. You know, when I walk on our property, it's uneven and everything, and I don't stagger or anything or fall. But I don't have, you know, a hundred eyeballs looking at me when I'm doing it either. I may have that many, actually, but not, not human eyeballs. <laughs> but not human eyeballs. But, but the aging process, folks, it's real. And with it, produces some limitations and some things that, that you will not really experience till you get there. And uh, the, the energy level kind of drops a little bit as far as, you know, having to get up and go that you used to have when you're in your 30s and 40s. And uh, so, but we're human. I'm trying to get across the point. We're human. We age. We get tired. We get sick. We can get discouraged, and I don't even use this word from the pulpit, but there are struggles because of our humanity and our emotions with some depression from time to time. I mean, it's real. It, it happens. And so we've got to recognize our, our human flaws, our human failure, and, you know, out of the three enemies, I can remember this years and years ago, and Brother Melton used to bring this out. You know, you've got the world, the flesh, and the devil. And he would say, okay, people would say, well, which one? I know it's got to be the devil that gives the Christian the hardest time. And he would say, no, 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 it's not the devil, and it's not the world. It's your flesh that gives you the hardest time. It's your flesh that you struggle the most with. Most of us, it's not the world. We're, we're beyond, you know, we're past kind of saying, I've got to be like them and I'm going to go that way. No, that's not the, the influences of the world. Really, for most of us that are here today, probably not. And the devil, you know, he's pretty slick, but we ought to be able to see past and see what he's up to. We've been warned enough. So, but the flesh... You walk with the flesh. You live with the flesh. You wake up in the morning with the flesh. You go to bed at night when you're alone. When you're alone, there's nobody around. And your flesh is saying, it's not going to hurt anybody. And no one will know. But the sad thing is, God knows. God always knows. And so, I believe, along with Brother Melton and others, that the flesh is the greatest enemy of the Christian. So, in the old illustration was, you know, well, between the flesh and the spirit, who wins out? It's really the one you feed the most. It's the one that you feed the most. Whether you feed, if you're feeding the flesh with, and think about it, all the things, you know, who, where do you go first when you face a struggle? Do you contact your friends? You put it out on social media so that everybody can pray, or you to, do you turn to, to the Lord, to His Word, and, and do you turn to Him in prayer? Just the two of you, just Him. 
And so <clears throat> it's the one that you feed the most. And the only hope in our relationship with our Heavenly Father is to understand some very basic things about the, our sonship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Our relationship is permanent. Once we're saved, and I know this was an old, old uh, analogy years ago, but I think it's, it's, it's very real, very true, very appropriate. Our relationship with God the Father, because of our faith in Christ, is permanent, and it never changes. But our fellowship with Him, our communion with Him, our daily walk with Him can suffer from different factors that we encounter in life. So our, though, you know, we, we're solid on the fact that our relationship is permanent, and that's one of the key doctrines of the Baptist faith, that we believe that you once you get it, you can't lose it. And that's important, that's foundational, that's essential that all of us agree that once I've, I did nothing to earn salvation and there's nothing I can do to lose my salvation. But my fellowship with my father, you can say, you know, I've had people say to me, and, and this was a, a person that was an active member of our church. And we were in a little small group in a meeting one time several years ago but this person made a, an out, I mean, just said in front of the group. I want you to think about this. This person said this to me or to the, to the whole group. I don't believe I've heard the voice of God for over a year and a half. That was an active member of this church. I don't believe I've heard the voice of God for over a year and a half. Folks, that's tragic. That's sad. To think that we could be born-again believers and have our walk, our communication, our fellowship with our Heavenly Father so messed up that we don't even hear His voice for months and years <clears throat> because of the, the factors that we face in life, because of our circumstances, our circumstances change, our emotions. We have, as I've already mentioned, the hurts. We struggle with the sin of bitterness. We struggle with discouragement and disappointment. We have expect all of us, you have to admit it, we all have expectations from time to time. And when those expectations aren't met, look, let me just ask you this. If you have grown children and you have family, do you think that, you know, that the parents, the aging parents, don't have expectations about the holidays. You know, they have, ex and when you have, when you have sets of families, you really have to give up those expectations because they're going to try to, and the young people, the young couples are trying to satisfy this need and this one's need and try to be here. I can remember on Christmas day, it was the most exhausting thing when, when we were first married. I mean, it was, we had, we, ha we had um, our Christmas, and then we would try to make the rounds, and I think it was something like four or five different stops, and every time we'd get somewhere, they would say, what took you so long? And then when we said, well, I've got, we've got to go because we've got another stop, and they said, but you just got here. 
And, and by the end of the day, we were so exhausted, we actually dreaded. It, was, it wasn't like fun, fun, fun. You know, this is a wonderful time because people had expectations. And, and these are real human emotions that we struggle with. We have expectations of what things ought to be like. And so we have to be careful that we give those expectations to the Lord and, and trust Him to work out the details. And yes, that means we're just going to have to, you know, be the bigger people at times and respond in a way that's uh, very, you know, different than our flesh wants us to respond. I mean, sometimes we just want to demand our way and say, come on, y'all. Don't you see we have this need? But you don't. You respond, you just say, the Lord's in control and we trust him to work this out. So we have these human expectations that we deal with. And the word of God does offer hope and encouragement. And it's important that we really, really, if we're going to ever rise above our circumstances, if we're ever going to uh, be victorious in the fight, and be victorious in the middle of difficult challenges that we all face, we're going to have to apply the Scripture. And we have to apply it whether we feel like it or not. You know, they're just timed. We just have to do it. And I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to go into detail I'm not, and wouldn't do that. But I'm just saying, in the last, say, two years, I've had to personally apply what I'm telling you today from the Word of God. I've had to personally apply exactly what I'm telling you. So we may not feel like it, and it may not be something that just comes naturally, but we need to start doing what the Word of God says to do. So I never will forget that Friday around noon, it was about 11-something, Otto Koning was closing out the basic seminar, the ATI thing, and I never will forget, he was speaking live, and it was a big group, thousands and thousands of people. And Otto Koning, I, the one th line I remembered, he said, rejoicing is a choice. Rejo and you know that stayed with me. Rejoicing is a choice. So it's important that we understand that uh, if we're honest, we need to start giving thanks. We need to rejoice even when uh, we're in the most difficult times of our life. We love the Lord. We love His Word. We ought to obey Him. We ought to do it because if we do not do it, we are sinning. Why don't you turn in your Bibles? I, wanna, I want you to read with me a passage the Lord gave me this week to think about along with this, this thought. James 4.17 and hopefully this will resonate with some folks. We'll just say, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that I can apply this here. James 4.17. I read it in different translations, but it's still, I, I like it best in the King James. <clears throat> I want you to listen to this. This is uh, in relation to the topic of rejoicing and being grateful and thankful. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good, in other words, we've been told, we've been warned, we've been given the scripture, 
Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. To him it is sin. So let's look at three points. This is three points and no poem. But uh, three points. The first is the command. We have a command. I have, I've written down just some passages. I want to read them just for the sake of time. I want to read them to you. I'll give you the references. You can look them up. First one I have written down is Psalm 511. Let those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy, because thou defendest them. And it goes on to explain, thou defendest them. Let them also that love thy name be joyful. Be joyful. So we're, we're told to, if we trust in the Lord, we should rejoice. He defends us. He's our defender. And we've been looking at a lot of scriptures, thinking about that and looking at that. And there's a lot of scriptures talking about he is our defense. Psalm 32, 11, be glad in the Lord and rejoice, ye righteous, and shout for joy, all ye that are upright in heart. Romans 12, 15, rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. Philippians 4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. Be careful for nothing, but in a few things. But in everything. Thank you, Nina. In everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And then, of course, the famous one, 1 Thessalonians 5.16 and 5.18, Rejoice evermore. In everything give thanks, for this is the will. You know, I love this. I, I heard Dr. Uh, John MacArthur preach on, and there's several in the Bible, in the New Testament especially, talking about, for this is the will of God for you. This is so clear. You're saying, I want to know the will of God. Somebody... Help me find the will of God. What do y'all think the will of God is? Well, the word of God makes it very clear. Rejoice evermore in everything. Give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. It's the will of God. I mean, so if we know to do good and we don't do it, the Bible says we're sinning. Colossians 3.15 And let the Peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. And be ye thankful. If we know the Word of God commands us to rejoice and be thankful, and we don't do it, the Bible is very clear that we are saying, let me, let me point something out to you, and not to uh, chase a rabbit too far, but turn in the book of Romans, if you will. I, I thought this was interesting. 
this is really about the reprobate and the 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 decline of reprobation and but I thought this and you've probably seen this I'm sure look at uh, Romans 1 and we'll just look at uh, 20 and 21 for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made even his eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse. Okay, now look at this next part, verse 21. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful. Neither were thankful. I'm going to tell you, I think that's an indictment on born-again believers that we would line up like this total unregenerate lost person that knew about God, knew some things of God, been exposed. They're without excuse, the scripture says. But one of the key attributes that's missing in their life, they are not thankful. And you know what, as believers, I don't think we want to line up with that. We don't want to be a part of that. We don't want to be like them in that. And so our, it is a requirement. It's a command. You know, and I was thinking about this I, as I, I chose that word command for the first point. The word of God is very, very clear. We are to rejoice evermore for this is the will of God. You can't get any clearer than that. But you know what? The bottom line is, when I, I chose that com, the word command, this is a command of God. But you know what? In today's society, a lot of people really don't like to be told what to do. So many people have an authority problem and even an authority issue with God. They don't want God commanding them to do anything. And so it's important that we understand this is a command. This is an instruction. This is from the Word of God. These are some things that we are told we know. There's a lot of things about eschatology and all this stuff and a lot of this that Matt covers. I'm thinking, oh man, this is way over my head. You know, but it is so, there's a lot of things that we're not going to be able to understand and settle in this life on this earth, this side of heaven. But there's some things that are very, very basic and simple. Like we are to be a grateful people and we're to be a thankful people. And we need to recognize that if we're not, we're much like the heathen that was exposed to the truth of God and they were not thankful. And I don't want to be in that camp. I don't want to be there. I'm choosing not to be there. So the, we have a second point. I believe believers have a choice, and that goes back to the old thing of, you know, uh, the free will of man and all of that. I do believe believers have a choice. So the first is a command. The second is believers have a choice. I believe God commands it. He expects us to obey, but he doesn't make us robots. He doesn't make us robots. He doesn't say, okay, now, you know, you're all going to have to rejoice, and all, I'm going to count to three, and everybody's going to rejoice. It's not that. He gives us an opportunity to rejoice in the midst of our issues, in the midst of our problems. We know this, then re not rejoicing is sin, 
Murmuring is sin. Sowing seeds of discord is sin. Stealing, lying, lusting, committing adultery. That's all sin. So we have a choice to make. God gives the command to rejoice and be thankful. And this is important that we make a decision today. There's going to be an invitation and we need to draw that line and say, all right, you know, I've, I've wallowed in this. It's painful. It does hurt. It is real. But I am choosing to obey God. I'm choosing to obey His Word. I'm choosing to see things from His perspective. Number three. Number three. Thankfulness and gra uh, gratitude cause us to change. You know, um, as I mentioned in the last two years, I've had some things that, that have not been the most exciting in my life. <clears throat> and sometimes it... Uh, it, it can be physical, it can be other things. And you just, you're going through life and you say, man, you know, this is a tough spot. This is a tough spot to be in. I, I just don't, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not excited about this part of my life. And so, but honestly and truly, we're having to recognize, you know, whether it feels, you feel like it or not, whether you think it, you know, is easy or not. It's something that God has commanded. We have a choice to make. And it's important that we understand that when we obey God, guess what happens? Every single time that I've gone to the Word of God and when I've been down and discouraged and really at the bottom, I felt like, at the bottom at that time, you get into God's Word and it's amazing. And it's like you said this morning. It is the Word of God. It's different than any other book that you'll ever read. You can go to the bookstore and you can get hardbacks written and they can be, you know, bestsellers. But I'm going to tell you what, when you put your eyes on the Word of God and you see God speaking and you recognize He's speaking to your heart through His Word, there's nothing that compares to it. Absolutely nothing. And nothing can lift your spirits. Nothing can make that change in your attitude and, and your hope. And nothing can do that better than the Word of God. You can go to social media all day long, but folks, that is empty and that's a counterfeit to the Word of God. It's when you get alone with God and you're hurting like you've never hurt before. And you say, God, this is way too much. I didn't sign up for this. And God brings you comfort from his word. I'm going to tell you what, there's nothing that compares to it. Nothing. It's just like I've, I've said to people for years, you know. I've enjoyed bass fishing, and every time you get ready to tell your story, somebody's over there just waiting. They just can't wait. They're going to tell a bigger, bigger fish story. Back when I was bow hunting so much, and we'd go out, and I'd have my little rack and, you know, show your picture, and somebody would show a bigger picture. I mean, always. I'm going to tell you, there's nothing, there's no... The World Series was absolutely wonderful. At no doubt. But there's nothing like being present, giving the Word of God to somebody and seeing them pray to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. There's nothing like it. 
If you hadn't done it in a while, try it. I'm going to tell you, there's nothing, nothing. There's no high. There's no nothing that this world offers. Nothing compares to seeing somebody turn their heart and life over to Jesus Christ in your presence. And so that's the way it is with the Word of God. The Word of God. You're alone with God. You're hurting. And yes, we hurt and we weep. And we're in pain and we say, I just don't know if I can stand this anymore. But you know what? You get in God's word and you let I'm I'm a believer in this and right, wrong or indifferent. I don't I'm not looking at volumes as much as I am looking at directly at something and God speaking to my heart. It can be one verse. And it's so real and you can hear his voice, not audibly, but you can hear him speak to you. And you can, and he comforts you. And he brings comfort. Nobody else. There's no other offering out there. Nowhere. There's nothing that can do a better job to change us, to make us more Christ-like, to make us more grateful. It's, it's incredible what the Word of God and turning to the Word of God can do in our lives. It's like the healing of the lepers. You remember the account. I've read it for years and I'd love to read it again, but the point is, they, they, the lepers, think about those lepers. They were outcasts. Their own family shunned them. They, 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 couldn't, they couldn't hug their children. And then all of a sudden, by faith, they're healed. They're healed and, and they're running. Can you imagine the excitement? They're running through town free from that horrible plague and they're running and they're excited and nine are running and charging and one stops and he turns and he comes back to Jesus and he falls on his face before Jesus and he falls on his face and he worships him one see the point is they were excited about the blessing and they were excited that they were healed but one realized he wanted to praise and worship the source of the healing and he stopped and turned and fell on his face before the Lord Jesus Christ and worshiped. You see, we can, and we're this afternoon, we're going we're gonna to do some, some, like the old days when we used to have the afternoon service and we would talk about count your many blessings, name them one by one. We're going to do some of that this afternoon, okay? But it's, but it's not focusing on the blessings all the good things that happen, and there's so many. There's so many. But it's turning to the Savior and worshiping Him, honoring Him for who He is. Listen, folks, if everything we have is taken away and we are at the rock bottom of life and you say, this is the worst I could have ever imagined, you still, as a believer, you still have been blood-bought by the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, you have permanent salvation that cannot be stolen or taken away from you. And you have the promise of eternal life. One day, you'll be in heaven. And it's going to get there faster than you think. It's going to get there faster than you think. You never know how, how, what's going to take place in our lives. And it's going to happen quicker than you think. I mean, you're going to, as one person said, you know, I was living life and I blinked and I, I looked up and I'm in heaven. I mean, it's just there. It's just that simple. So we need to today determine we've been commanded 
We have a choice. And that choice, when we obey, will change us. You know, I've, I've often said, and we've talked a lot about prayer over the years, you know, and, and the benefits of prayer and even the negative. How many times you prayed, 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 and it didn't come out the way you were praying? It didn't turn out the way you were praying. Well, this is my little saying, and I, it's not, I'm sure, I haven't read it from anybody, but I'm sure it's not, I'm not the only one. But really, when we think about praying, Praying, really, when I'm praying, I don't feel like I'm changing God so much that when I'm spending time alone with Him, He's changing me. He's changing me. And so, that's the way I feel about rejoicing. Rejoicing is a command. We've been instructed to rejoice in all these scriptures. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. And be ye thankful. We're supposed to be thankful. But you know what? When we do obey, it really changes us. Changes us more than you want to, that you could even realize. So we need to start applying it and doing it and helping each other. When you hear somebody being negative about something and somebody criticizing about something, somebody talking down or bad about something, just gently say in a loving way, not, you know, like you know, a hammer or sledgehammer, but in a gentle way, let's rejoice together. My wife does it to all the time. We, we will be having discussion and she will say, and let's look at the things we can rejoice over. And let's rejoice in the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to have a hymn of invitation. I would encourage all of us to examine, to think, what camp have we been in? Have we have because of circumstances, have we fallen into the trap of being negative and murmuring and complaining and thinking all is bad and there's no hope for America and, you know, no hope for the church and we're sunk and, you know, are, are we going to obey scripture and do what scripture says and worship him, adore him and be thankful to him for our salvation, for our eternal life? for the hope that lies within us because of Christ and all He's done. The Word of God offers that. And the one that's going to succeed is the one you feed the most. You're going to see a difference with feeding the flesh or feeding your spirit. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you for the promises. We thank you for the encouragement. We thank you that we acknowledge our humanity. We struggle with that. And I pray today that you would encourage our hearts and help us to apply what we've heard. Help us to be doers of the word and not just hearers. And realize for, for the person, the man, woman, or young person that knows what is right to do and we don't do it, the scripture says it's sin. And I pray, Father, that we would not be a sinning people intentionally knowing that we've been warned, we've been given the word of God, we've been encouraged to look to the things that, that uh, are in scripture that tell us and the verses that tell us, remind us to rejoice and be thankful. So thank you for who you are. Thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy. And we trust you'll accomplish your will and your way in our hearts. You're this invitation in Jesus' name. Amen.